people think I'm damaged goods. I'm worried about losing my job. Will I ever get a transplant? I want to see my children graduate from college. How can I afford this? I don't want to be a burden. I'm afraid. I'm overwhelmed with information. Sometimes I wonder if I'll ever fall in love and get married. I just want to play with my friends. You're listening to Kidney Talk, streaming health, happiness, and hope to the renal community with your hosts, Lori Hartwell and Stephen First. Well, today I'm very excited. We have a very special guest. We have Shad Ireland, who's a world-class athlete, and he was also diagnosed with kidney disease as a child. So we have a lot in common in that area. And he's going to tell us his journey of, you know, how he's created all these different activities for patients and also has competed in triathlons across the country. So welcome to the show, Shad. Hi, Lori. It's a pleasure to be here and to be able to talk with all of your listeners. And, uh, you know, you're, you're quite modest. You do a lot of great work yourself. RSN is a great organization. Well, well tell us a little bit about when you were diagnosed um, as a child and what that was like. It was horrific. Uh, I was diagnosed in 1983 at the age of 10 and um, felt very overwhelmed, angry, which I think a lot of patients do when they get their first diagnosis or their initial diagnosis. Um, fear, frustration, um, you know, the two questions that I think that uh, people have when they're given this diagnosis is, you know, uh, why did this happen and how do we fix this? And I think it's a, a question that's, um, you know, existed for, you know, the past 30 years that I've had kidney disease and, and it's something that really drives me in trying to help patients uh, figure out how we fix this, how we stabilize them, how we prepare them for transplant. Um, and how they can live successfully with this disease. Now, so when you were a child growing up, um, did they tell you that, you know, you're going to get a transplant and everything's going to be okay? Because that's what I heard. Well, I was untransplantable, and that's what was really scary is that, um, you know, I had 100% antibody level. I started dialysis back before erythropoietin was around. And so um, back then, I received probably three to four blood transfusions a week. And uh, before I knew it, my mother um, was a perfect match, and uh, they decided, right when I started dialysis, they decided to wait six months because I had a unique progression with the disease. It came on very fast. They'd never seen anything like it. But unfortunately, that fateful decision um, combined with multiple blood transfusions ended up that uh, I was untransplantable. So um, there I found myself, you know. I struggled with... um, um, you know, to say it, I attempted suicide four times when I was, first time was when I was 11 years old and throughout my teenage years because I didn't see any future. Um, I didn't have any hope. Um, dialysis, as I said, was horrific back then. It was different. And uh, I was very, very, very sick. So, so yeah, it, I mean, you know, just coping with it. I mean, I think it's for myself, there's such a myriad of emotions that you have with kidney disease. And, you know, fear and anger are critical. They can either overtake you or you can use your fear and then which turns into anger and use it to mobilize yourself to help yourself. Yeah. Angry can be a good thing, but it, it can also consume you if you don't deal with it. Yeah, it's what you do with it. It's, it's, you know, being angry and afraid is okay. Those emotions are normal. It's what you do with it. It's, it's how you take that and apply that anger and that fear, which, you know, can can lead to success. It did for me. Now, I, I know that you've had a transplant. Did it work for any time? First transplant worked three years, and it was difficult. Um, second transplant I had never worked. And, uh, and I got to a point where um, 
you know, I, for a while, decided that I wouldn't take another transplant. And I can tell you that that was a, you know, when I embraced that concept, it was rather freeing. You know, it also helped me to change the way that I took care of myself and, and lived with dialysis. Um, yeah, because you don't think that there's a silver bullet that's going to cure everything with a transplant because a transplant's hard too, although, you know, it's the preferred mode of treatment for most people. Correct. You know, it, it is. People think, okay, when I get a transplant, I'm going to be healthy. And it doesn't work that way. It's just the continuum of care with kidney disease. You know, dialysis transplant, dialysis transplant. We go back and forth, unfortunately. Well, and it's a, it's a treatment option. And that's the thing. I think so many patients are sold on the fact that it's a cure. And it's not, you know, it, it requires um, involvement. It requires, you know, the patient to take an active role in their care. They have to take medications for the rest of their life. And, um, you know, they have more options with transplant. Um, you know, dialysis therapy has changed now. You know, there are home options and some things that, that allow more freedom for patients. But uh, the preferred mode of, of um of therapy as transplant for most patients. Matter of fact, they get really excited about it, and that's one of the things that I've been working on through my foundation is, um, you know, prepare for transplant program and then providing them uh, what we call a baseline, your health, which is a, a stability model. And, um, you know, we've seen a lot of patients have success with that. And, you know, I think as, as advocates, you and I, one of the things that we do very well is we facilitate hope. And, you know, we tend to look at the positive versus the negative, and we try to facilitate and foster an environment that gets patients excited. Um, and, uh, you know, it's a different approach, and I think you and I have kind of, uh, in our own perspective, or respectively, we've, we've taken different approaches to it, but we're both kind of doing the same thing. Well, well since you brought up a baseline, um, tell us a little bit about that and what it involves uh, for people who, you know, want to um, sign on to the program. Well, first and foremost, it's free. Um, all of the programs that we've developed through my foundation are free for patients and families. And um, our approach has been to, um, I've got some unique partnerships and some proprietary technology that we've developed. Um, and our goal is to, to utilize technology to engage uh, and empower patients to take an active role in their own health care. And uh, Baseline was created uh, on a stability model that I followed. Uh, it was the model that allowed me to become the first dialysis patient in the world to ever compete in and complete the Ironman. It allowed me to complete over 20 triathlons to effectively go from being um, somebody that was chronically ill to a person that is successfully living with a diagnosis. And what Baseline focuses on is three areas. It focuses on uh, lab values, nutrition, and exercise. And as you get your lab values into a normal range and you fine-tune your nutrition, that creates a stability, or what we call a baseline, that creates a stability model, and that model can go on indefinitely. And uh, the third component is exercise. One of the things that most patients with a, with a uh, ESRD or a CKD diagnosis, um, what they don't understand is that we all share cardiovascular disease in common, and um, as well as some other diagnoses, but um, that cardiovascular disease, the progression of it can be halted by implementing some form of cardiovascular therapy. Um, you know, I've, I've seen it work for a lot of patients. It's really worked for myself, and, and um, I'm very proud of what Baseline is doing. It's been two years in development. We just launched it in June. We've got uh, several hundred patients that have signed up. 
Uh, we have a couple hundred patients that are actively using it. And our approach has been very organic. We've been very um, slow in pushing it to the renal community. Um, I want to be very careful. I want to make sure that uh, everything is fine-tuned because I think we get one shot with, with patients. You know, most patients are hanging on a thread, waiting for a transplant, and we have to be very careful in what we say and what we do and the promises that we make. So, uh, baseline uh, can revolutionize the renal community. I'm, I'm sold on it. I, I look at what it's done for me and what it's done for, you know, some of the other patients that, that we've given the tool to. But at the same time, um, as you know, w- with what we do, we have to be very careful. And so um, the tool is coming along great. We target several different areas of... So if I sign on to the baseline program, what would I see? And, and how would it engage me? There's, there's two areas. The, the, the web address, and it's a, it's a platform. Most people will look at it, and we've decided to use a website interface, but it is a platform, and that's the difference between the two. So we have an educational uh, component. That's the front side. So, and that's free. You can, we've taken a multimedia approach videos and, and certain articles and things that are there uh, that people can access so they can learn about it. We've got to educate people. Uh, you educate, uh, and through education you can empower, and then you provide tools and resources. When they sign up for Baseline, they create an account. That allows them to access the back end or the tracking tools, which allows them to track their lab values, their nutrition, their exercise. There's a journal feature, um, and it's specific to the patient. Uh, if they have chronic kidney disease, they're going to get a different look versus somebody that's on dialysis or versus somebody that's transplant. And I can tell you that baseline is for dialysis, CKD, transplant, and diabetics. So the entire renal continuum. If I um, sign on, so if I go to the lab continuum part, would I enter my lab values or how would each interface, or I mean, is that something that people have to find out, but would I enter my lab values and they would tell me how I could improve that? Yes. Uh, you would you would enter your lab values and then it, it it uh, graphs out those lab values in a way so people can see, okay, their albumin, for instance, is 3.6, and the baseline is 4.0. It shows them where it needs to be. And so then they have a visual representation of where their labs are and where they need to go. And then we provide some education uh, regarding, uh, you know, the labs that are, and we, we track the same clinically accepted labs that, you know, the dialysis centers for, uh, track and then the transplant programs for track. So it, it gives the patient the opportunity to take an active role. Not only do they get to the lab sheet, they get to take that home and they get to enter it in. Um, and, uh, and we believe it's, 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 um, it, it's confirming for them. It, it allows them to take an active role in it and to better understand why those things are important. Yeah, you know, you sometimes find out that patients don't understand what albumin is. And you have to explain to them that it's, you know, the protein level and what you eat. And when you're on dialysis, it can be a little bit more challenging to raise your albumin without supplements. Well, it's the overall indicator of health. Albumin, what people don't understand is it's an indicator um, that really looks at how well you are, how well you're maintaining your health. It can lead to hospitalizations if your albumin gets too low. It can contribute to anemia, a small part. Um, uh, And, you know... We've taken a uh, digital literacy level approach. So the things that we're providing to patients, they're written at a fifth to seventh grade digital literacy level. And we've also tried to take the fear out of technology for patients that are older. Um, 
you know, our approach is to, it, it's very easy to use, it's very straightforward, and what's unique about our tool is that, uh, similar to software development, we are constantly developing new content um, and improving the functionality, similar to, you know, Microsoft software. Every six or 12 months, they're releasing new versions. We're currently in the process of moving from version 1 to version 1.5, and uh, it's We've gotten great feedback from healthcare professionals as well as patients. Well, that's terrific, Shad. I think it's such a, you know, anything that helps people understand where they are and where they need to go. And I think one area of interest that, you know, listeners would have is, you know, how you've competed in these triathlons. I mean, I think of, you know, feeling anemic sometimes or feeling tired, especially last year when I was on dialysis. Uh, you know, how do you motivate yourself? And I mean, quite frankly, how did you complete a triathlon? <laughs> Motivation comes after the fact. It all starts with inspiration. And uh, I think you have to ask the question personally, what inspires me? Um, for myself, uh, it started after I lost my first transplant. I went from 145 pounds down to 75 pounds. I slipped into a coma. I was given six months to live. I found myself laying on my mother's couch, and I saw the Iron Man on TV. And um, that is where my inspiration came from. I watched a woman crawl across the finish line, win the world championships, and I told myself that that was going to be me one day. And you know, fast forward a decade later, I found myself a 85-pound dialysis patient. I'd been on dialysis for 20 years, suffering from multiple comorbidities, struggling like every other patient. And I remembered the promise I made to myself and announced that I was going to do the Ironman. So how did you start? I mean, from the couch to, you know, to walking around the block. What was the progression to get to the triathlon um, aspect of uh, high-level activity? Well, it took a decade for me to remember the promise that I made. You know, I struggled with depression. I struggled with everything that every patient, you know, struggles with. And it first came with me remembering the promise. And then um, I can tell you, I went to the gym for the first time. And it was humiliating. I could not walk 30 seconds on a treadmill. And most patients, uh, most individuals, you know, kind of shrink back and they're frustrated with where they're at. You have to accept where you are, Lori. I think that's the first step. You know, you have to be inspired. You know, I want to climb a mountain. I want to... I want to run a 5K. I want to spend time with my grandkids, whatever it is. Um, you, have to, you have to have that, that, that hope. You have to have a goal. You have to have a dream. And you have to believe in that dream. And you have to be willing to do whatever it takes. And then it's a matter of accepting where you are. You know, I realized that I couldn't walk 30 seconds on a treadmill. Now, as frustrating as that was, I told myself, today is the day that my life changes. Today is the day that I'm going to do something different. I'm going to push myself. And uh, I did. And by the end of the week, I walked two minutes, which, you know, I mean, most people would look at two minutes on a treadmill and, you know, they would think that that's not a huge accomplishment. But for me, it was. And that two minutes turned into four minutes. And that four minutes turned into six months later running for the first time in my life. And um, what I found, what I think your listeners are going to find very exciting, is that physical fitness can counteract the effects of dialysis. And it's, it's counterintuitive. You know, I feel weak. I'm anemic. I'm tired. How I can't even walk to the mailbox. How am I going to run a 5K? Um, but it's walking to the mailbox and then, you know, walking from the house to the mailbox, back to the house, into the mailbox. It's setting goals that are achievable and telling yourself that you can do this. And, 
you know, you've got to crawl before you walk and walk before you run. And before you know it, six months later, you're down the road. And that's where I get excited about baseline is baseline is a model that you can give to any patient, whether they're 10 years old or whether they're 70 years old, and it's customized to what their goals and dreams are. But it gives them a, a platform to follow that if you do A, B, and C, C will happen. And patients are finding stability in their healthcare. Um, we're seeing improved outcomes and compliance. Um, we're at a point where we are trying to put a study together so we can show that I believe baseline can show a reduction in hospitalizations. And I think that's what really excites me or one of the things that excites me because um, we're spending so much money on hospitalizations. And if we can reduce the cost of hospitalizations, then I think it creates a win-win-win, you know, for the, for the government that's paying for dialysis for uh, advocacy organizations because we're helping patients, for the patients themselves because they're feeling better, they're going back to work, they're doing the things that they dream about doing. You can live with this disease, and that's really where I think my story uh, is unique, is, is yeah, you know, I've created that for myself. Well, I think it's sometimes a little crazy uh, running a triathlon, but, you know, I, I mean, I think it's a, a good crazy in the sense of biking to running to swimming. It's a 2.4-mile swim followed by 112 miles on a bike and then a 26.2-mile running. You, you hit the nail on the head. It's, it's a whole lot of crazy. It, it's a whole lot of crazy. How long did it take you from two minutes on the treadmill to the triathlon? Well, and I'm an extreme case, so let me say this first. I don't encourage other patients to push the pace as I did. Um, I weighed about 85 pounds when I started in 2003, and a year later I weighed 142 pounds. I was at 6% body fat. So in 12 months, I literally transformed. Um, I did not feel the effects of dialysis anymore. And um, <laughs> I think if I were to encourage other patients to, you know, look at triathlon or look at any other sports, um, you know, I would encourage them to take a, a slower approach to it, you know. At the end of the day, we all have chronic illnesses, and we have to be very careful, and, and we have to surround ourselves with the best uh, best and the brightest in, in, in the clinic or, you know, the hospital that we go to. And, and you're only as good as the people you surround yourself with, and you have to work with your doctors. Well, what do you prefer, swimming, biking, or running? I hate running. I'd rather drive. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I uh, prefer to spend time on my bike. I like swimming, but... Uh, Cycling is really my passion. It's, it's more fun than anything. So now, one of the things that's always interests me is that, you know, a, as a patient, you're on dialysis. Now, are you, what type of dialysis are you doing? I do home hemodialysis. That's the choice that I've made. And uh, I prefer home therapy. I'm an advocate for home therapy um, because of the flexibility and the freedom that you have as a patient. You can work. You can go to school. You can train for a triathlon. You can do all the things that you want to do because you're uh, doing dialysis in the comfort and convenience of your home. And a lot of patients find it overwhelming, but, uh, but it's not. And it's, um, you know, you go through a training program. Um, they teach you how to, you know, take, set up the machine, tear down the machine, put your own needles in. And, and that's, the, I think, the hard part for home hemodialysis is most patients are afraid of self-cannulation. Um, but it's empowering. And, and once you're trained, you know, I haven't missed... Uh, putting needles in my fistula for 20 years, 15, 20 years. So, um, but home is the choice that I've made. And there are a lot of different options out there. Um, dialysis has evolved over the years and uh, evolved for the, for the better. And uh, I think we're at a point now where it's an exciting time to be given this diagnosis. I mean, 
when I started, it was uh, archaic, and um, now there are different options, and I think the technology has improved, and, and the health of somebody given this diagnosis um, can be stabilized, whereas, you know, when I started back in the early 80s, uh, it was it was different. Well, I, I know there was an article that came out today about exercise is a secret to youth. <laughs> and, you know, you know, you can buy all these serums and everything, but exercise really is what helps you stay young. And, you know, basically it, it doesn't change just because you have kidney disease. Well, that's the hard part, and that's the, the thing that I don't understand and where one of the frustrations comes from for me is I've found a model that works, yet we cannot seem to get our community to embrace this model. And, um, you know, you know, I talk to doctors, and I'm like, you know that these patients are cardiovascular patients. I mean, you know, listen, if, if, you're, if you have heart issues, you go to cardiac rehab. Why do we not do that for our community? You know, the, the, the future of medicine is prevention. And if we can get to people earlier in CKD and we can get them this information and educate them and get them inspired and, you know, goal-oriented and focusing on managing the disease, we can stave off the progression. We can keep people from being on dialysis. We can preemptively transplant them. Uh, We can save the system hundreds of millions of dollars. And that, you know, people are starting to embrace these concepts, but... um, and I think that's because of the work that your organization is doing and my organization is doing. But there's still a lot that needs to be done and, and a lot that needs to be accomplished. Every day when you get up, I mean, um, who helps motivate you now? And who's your inspiration? I mean, it's great to, you know, you want to help patients, but what drives you every day? You. Me? <laughs> um, no, seriously, I look at the success that you're having. And, you know, I've... This started off as something very selfish. This was about me and, and doing Ironman and being an athlete and fulfilling a dream that I had as a 10-year-old child. And I've, over the years, have become an advocate and have looked at the issues that affect patients uh, like ourselves and others. And, you know, with great opportunity comes great responsibility. And um, I feel very blessed to be alive and after 30 years and living with this disease and as healthy as I am, and, um, um, you know, I find my inspiration from the patients that I'm trying to serve. Um, I will sacrifice everything for those patients, and uh, I'm, you know, it's not been announced yet, uh, but uh, I figured your show is a good place to make that announcement. I'm coming back to Ironman next year. I'm coming into my 30th year of living with this disease, and I want to show patients that even after 30 years on dialysis, you can still be healthy and successful. So um, I'm working with some people to get back to the shape that I need to be in um, to really pour myself back into the gym. Um, And uh, I'm going to be racing starting in April uh, at the Nautica Triathlon. I'll be in Los Angeles doing the Kaiser Permanente race. Uh, As a matter of fact, I'm racing with a couple of my friends in the NFL. Uh, We're doing a relay team. It's amazing. Have you you figured out how to, like, pull the dialysis machine on the bike because that would seem like a natural pump. You know, you, you could just never stop. Well, you know, they, there's this invention that people have been talking about, the wearable kidney. I, you know, I Well, I'm thinking you could just pull it on the bike. I mean, because, you know, if you stop pedaling, the blood pump stops. And, um, you know, you could just, ha- that could be the portable kidney, the bike. Yeah. Well, um, I'm going to do home therapy. I dialyze four days a week, which I think, you know, and that's a whole other conversation, but... Um, uh, I think um, 
you know, four day a week therapy is better than three day a week therapy. And so with home, you can do that. And, um, the, uh, I'll dial eyes before the race and then the day after. And, um, you know, I've really kind of perfected the home hemodialysis process. My outcomes are just off the scale, uh, for, you know, any healthcare providers that are listening. I mean, my URR is 98% and URR is the amount of urea they clear in between dialysis treatments. And then my KT over V, which is a dialysis, it's an algorithm that measures adequacy, uh, is 3.4 consistently, which if you look at the therapy that's delivered in the clinic, um, dialysis providers shoot for a 1.2 KT over V to a 1.4. So I'm effectively getting almost triple the clearances. And so it's one of the benefits of being a home patient. And I can tell you the care that I receive is why I'm able to do triathlons and why I'm as healthy as I am. You know, longer, more frequent dialysis leads to longevity. It will save patients' lives. And any patient that's listening to this that is on hemodialysis, they really need to consider talking with their healthcare team about longer dialysis, more frequent dialysis, ways they can perfect the dialysis process. Now, um, have you ever considered, or I, I know you have 100% antibodies, as I do, and I was transplanted last February. Do you think you'll ever consider a transplant in the future? Yeah, um, my wife uh, has been after me to give me her kidney, and I had the opportunity, thanks to you, to be introduced to the team at... Um, Cedar sinai and so um, they have, I went through the initial process, and they had said that I would be a candidate for a third transplant, and uh, I need to get out to Cedars, and I need to go through a work of process and do some things, and it's something that I thought about. Um, you know, I seen the success that you've had uh, on your third transplant. And this is my fourth. I, I don't mean to brag, but, you know, if you're going to run marathons, I got to, like, have a kidney collection or something. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, I look forward to, you know, getting the opportunity to work with you and RSN on baseline and some other things. And, you know, I think there's a lot that we can do together. And, um, you know, me coming back to racing next year is going to be really important. And at the end of the day, both you and I are committed to the message. Uh, I think we have to provide hope, inspiration, and then we have to provide the tools and resources for patients. Um, you know, we, we get to play a small role in facilitating their hope and, and their inspiration and, and helping them to cross their own finish line. So where is this triathlon going to be? Well, uh, I am doing seven. Um, over the next 24 months, October will be my official... 30 years, October 9th, will be 30 years of living with this disease. So I have decided that I, over the next 24 months, I am going to do the Lifetime Series, which is uh, seven Olympic distance triathlons back to back to back, and then follow that up with a return to Ironman in October of next year, hopefully. I, I hope to race the World Championships in Hawaii. That's always been my dream. That was the promise that I made to myself, and I've got some great people some good friends that are trying to help me make that happen. And um, so it's going to start in April, April 1st. April 1st. And this isn't a joke, right? No, it's not. A, uh, April Fool's Day, I will be in Miami racing the Nautica uh, Miami Triathlon. And then I will do Philadelphia, Austin, Texas, Dallas, Texas, Minneapolis, Chicago, and Philly and L.A. So there's seven total. <laughs> I'm I'm tired just thinking about this. Yeah. I mean, just seven triathlon. How long does it take to complete a triathlon? Well, it's different. It, it depends on the on the different distances. For instance, an Olympic distance race, 
which is not an Ironman. It's a one-mile swim, a 25-mile bike, and a 6.2-mile run. Now, um, that, you know, you got your top guys in the world that'll finish it in an hour and 54 minutes. Um, I'm trying to get under two hours and 30 minutes. That's a real respectable time. But I think the key is not to be driven by time. It's to be driven by the fact that you cross the finish line. And... Um, so, you know, I'm hoping to do two hours and 30 minutes or under, but, uh, you know, as long as I get across the finish line, I'll be happy with my performance. That That's pretty amazing, Shad. Um, I'm I'm a loss for words because I, I, I need to get back. I mean, maybe someday I'll, I'll join you in one of them. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, if you want, uh, I, I can, I can help, uh, help introduce you to baseline and, and, uh, you know, to, to extend the life of your transplant exercise is going to be so important for you. And, you know, looking at um, where you're at and kind of embracing that and really kind of setting a goal, whether that be just normal health. Um, exercise is so important. You know, as a, as a person with this diagnosis, you need to be exercising. And, and this may take time to get there, but an hour a day, four days a week is ideal. And with me, it started where I couldn't walk two minutes on a treadmill or 30 seconds effectively. And so... Um, uh, but you'll find that, you know, in a short period of time, it'll transform you. Exercise has that ability, and it is the fountain of youth, and, and it can help extend the life of your transplant. Uh, it can help people in CKD and dialysis patients just to live a better life. I will tell you this. It has to be something that you find fun. I, I think I would choose dancing, maybe organize that. Maybe that would be a good motivation. Definitely. Where I think you have to be inspired to accomplish a goal, but the motivation comes from the fact that you find it enjoyable or challenging. Um, you know, it, it drives you to do it. And, you know, the buy-in for patients is this. Once they start to do it, the reason why we have success is it takes about 60 days for anybody to notice the difference in how they feel. And once they look at where they're at and they look at where they used to be, they never want to go back to feeling the way that they did. The key is, is, is getting them to believe that they can feel better. And that's where I've really had success, um, is helping patients to kind of reach that point. Tell us a little bit about your, your foundation um, as we wrap up this show and uh, how, how patients can get in touch with your organization. Sure. It's uh, SHAD, S-H-A-D, Ireland, I-R-E-L-A-N-D, foundation.org. We're a 501c3 nonprofit organization. We've been around for nine years. And uh, our focus is on, uh, we're, we're impact-focused and technology-driven. We've taken some of the best and brightest minds and created some partnerships in technology, and that's our focus of really empowering patients. They can go to the website. They can shotirelandfoundation.org, and they can learn more about Baseline. Uh, we have a uh, social media platform called renalresources.org, and we have a Spanish version called mesaludrenal.org. And what that does is it connects patients globally. Uh, it, we took uh, Facebook and WebMD and combined the two. So... And all of these tools are free. They can sign up. Um, we don't share any of their personal information. It's all Teradata hosted, so it's all protected. And uh, we, we try to facilitate the communication process between patients, between families, allowing them to connect, allowing them to ask questions, seek answers, um, so that they can be better informed. Uh, a better informed patient is a more involved patient. And, you know, uh, the other thing I will say in closing is um, we need to come together as a community. Uh, our voice needs to be heard. There are a lot of things that are happening in the renal community that are going to adversely affect patients. And if we don't come together,
together, um, it's not going to be very good for patients in the future. So um, I would encourage patients to become advocates for their own care, educate themselves, get involved how they want to through your organization, through my organization, start their own organization, come together. Um, we need more advocates, and I think creating healthy patients will facilitate that process. Thank you very much, Shad, and sharing your inspiring story. And I, I look forward to, uh, you know, seeing your next uh, triathlon and your outcome and all the great um, press that you uh, receive from, and, and most importantly, awareness, because, uh, you know, awareness is such a big thing. Well, have a great day, and uh, I look forward to seeing you on the road. Thanks a lot, Lori. We can control our own destiny. We can take charge of our health and ask questions about our medical options. We can form partnerships with our healthcare team. We can take steps towards self-improvement. We can be sensitive to the impact of our disease on our family. We can sing, dance, laugh, and enjoy our lives. We can appreciate today and look forward to tomorrow. We can help and support our fellow patients. We can pursue our hopes and dreams. We can make a difference.